This podcast contains material of an adult nature. It's not safe for work or appropriate for children under the age of 18. If you're offended by mature content, please stop listening now. The stories included in this podcast are not checked for factual content and are for entertainment purposes only. No real names are used. It's secondhand story time. Hello, I'm Will Kessler, and this is Secondhand Storytime, the show where we tell stories we heard from someone else. I'm happy to say we've reached episode 10. A small milestone, yes, but I'm still pretty happy with it. To celebrate the occasion, I'm bringing back our first guest with a rambling tale of drunken trouble in the Midwest. Here's the green phone, with his second appearance on Secondhand Storytime. Alright, so I'm here with the green phone. Just to, uh, check once more, you, uh... You weren't present, and you weren't a subject of this story? Okay, I wasn't the key subject, but I was present for the beginning, like just the very beginning, and the and just for a moment in the middle, and it's, it's not important to the story. Okay, well, I appreciate uh, the full disclosure, and as long as you're not the principal, I don't think it's a huge problem. Yeah, you'll see that this has nothing to do with me, and honestly, it, let's pretend I don't know these people. Fair enough. All right, well, whenever you're ready. Okay. So this story truly involves, like, actual characters. And and, and so I had to create aliases. So we have uh, Cowboy Bob, and he is truly kind of a danger to himself and others at some times. And then uh, the important guy in this story, though, is Terre Haute Tony. He's from Terre Haute, obviously, and it is an alias. But um, so one night, I guess I can say I lived in Lafayette, right? Well, don't make it so someone who doesn't know it know them could uh, call oh yeah that would never happen Terre Haute Tony came into town uh one weekend he is truly the most interestingly dangerous and crazy lovable person I I I really ever knew and he had uh I don't really want to know what he used to do in college but he always had a bankroll about four or five hundred dollars on him just like a fat wad yeah just a big fat wad and he was just like that I mean he was involved in a lot of crazy things but he was, like, the kind of guy who's, if he's your friend, you're good. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, he'll buy you dinner, he'll right. give you a, a car. But if he doesn't like you, he'll probably just, like, punch your ass in the parking lot. Okay. But, um, so don't picture in your head a scary guy. Picture in your head a totally nice-looking, normal, like, Midwestern Irish guy who secretly was, like, had an IQ of, like, 180 and, like, had no compunction about kicking everybody's ass, basically. Okay. So, uh, so Terre Haute Tony came into town. Really, it's hard to understand this guy, but I did see him at the beginning of the evening. I was, at the time, not hanging out very much. Know that I physically witnessed this fact. So he came in wearing a white linen Mexican suit and a red t-shirt underneath. Kind of like Jackie Treehorn in The Big Lebowski, but it was like also kind of like David Byrne from Talking Heads. It was like two sizes too big, giant white linen suit. With a red shirt and he had red hair and was just a pale Irishman. So he looked basically like he was insane. I mean, like a criminal at the very least. <laughs> but he thought he looked pimp. But I mean, he stood out like a sore thumb, but it was beautiful. You knew it was going to be a good weekend. Right. So, um, so he came in like that and he came in with a whole mindset that weekend that he already had like a, a bullshit story he was going to tell all weekend. Is that he was a club owner from Terre Haute. And he was going to see if he can use that to get free drinks 
like offer drink trades. Those, you know, a bartender goes to my club, uh, you come to my club, Terre Haute will hook you up, blah, blah, except there, of course there's no club. Right. But, and, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that that's, uh, that's pretty common from what I can tell. Really? Um, People I started, do that? I started dating someone who, uh, who was a waitress and bartender, and we'd go out drinking in her city, and like we drink all night, and at the end of the night they're like, "Yeah, that's six bucks." And I guess people just got hooked up if you knew that they were oh, a bartender. Oh, I, see what you mean. I thought you meant lying about it was pretty common. Oh no! <laughs> oh, okay. I, I meant like, the, the drink trade. Oh, the drink trade. Okay. That's common. I wouldn't have wanted to lie because they all know each other. The thing about Terre Haute Tony is you gotta understand he was super, super charming, coercive, convincing. So lots of charisma. Yeah, raised in like a trailer park by wolves, basically is what this guy is. <laughs> so Cowboy Bob is just uh, like basically if you just pictured Jim Belushi or something, that's about what you got. Just your good old fashioned crazy, dangerous, sloppy drunk. And just to kind of skip ahead, they're already like by the by the time I'm skipping ahead, they've already probably had a half a bottle of hard liquor apiece. And so. They're at this pool bar called Nick's, and I can name this bar because everybody used to go there in Lafayette. Right, I've uh, I've been there, and it's not like the uh, cr- being crazy, throwing drinks around kind right. of place. It's like you're nice to everybody and polite, and tip your waitress, and thank God there's a place to play pool in Lafayette, basically. Right, you have a beer and you play a game of pool, and then you go home. Yeah, exactly. So instead, what they did was uh, Terre Haute Tony. Again, always got money, always buying drinks. So he bought five shots of tequila apiece between him and Cowboy Bob. They got five shots of tequila each. That that doesn't sound good at all. Yeah, this is the this is the level of like like party that is a little above average. So, anyways, the idea being, you start the tequila race, and the first one to finish the five shots gets to finish the other guy's shots. <laughs> So that's what a prize! Like you know, it wasn't gonna go well. No, not at all. It will ruin your day. Right. So Cowboy Bob gets—I mean, like already pretty hammered—but they legitimately strive forward to try to do this tequila race in, like I said, a quiet, pretty normalish bar. And uh, three shots of tequila, or three or four, from what I—I I just know that he never finished the race, and he projectile vomited all over himself in the bar. Like, on the floor and everything. In a bar in which I had never seen anybody throw up in my whole life. Yeah, it's not that kind of bar. Yeah. So, no, but Terre Haute Tony is a man of action, and he knows, you know, he's been out quite a bit. So, he immediately goes to the bartender, and is just basically, like, he's already used his story a couple times, but basically was like, yeah, I own this place in Terre Haute. I don't know what the fake name was, but blah, blah, blah. I really appreciate, you know, I'm here with my friend, um, you know... I know he just threw up. We're going to get kicked out. I appreciate it. But, you know, basically give him a chance to get his dignity and let us get our stuff together and, and you know, get out quietly. Just basically don't throw him out on his butt because they were pretty mad. But it worked because he talks everybody into everything. He'd already gotten some free drinks at another bar. He goes to this place, and he was just like, yeah, just give him a minute. So apparently it worked. A sad group of people got their stuff up and got out of the place. Right. And so um, the more sensible decided to generally go home. But Terre Haute Tony, Cowboy Bob, at least, I, I don't think anyone else is involved at this point, but basically went out back to Cowboy Bob's place. So they're already drunker than I've probably been in five years. I guess they probably were both blacked out and drinking for a good two or three more hours together. Wow. 
So, um, at some point, you gotta still get some cigarettes. And God knows these two aren't sensible enough to actually, like, you know, call somebody or say no cigarettes. So, Terre Haute Tony gets his truck and apparently drove them both. I don't condone that. Right. To a nearby uh, gas station. Picture maybe like a Starvin' Marvin or Speedway. Right. In the slow part of town. And there's a fat pregnant woman behind the bar this is where the whole thing becomes a matter of your own taste but this story is disturbing on so many levels well thanks i guess for the warning but please continue these two try to coerce this fat pregnant and works at a gas station woman uh to have a three-way with them <laughs> you know they're like blind suddenly drunk they're like hey baby when, when the fuck do you get off work well and i mean and you're not going to get her pregnant it also, I'm sure that came up in the conversation. <laughs> so it's uh, supposedly the only part that I is hard to believe is she actually went along with this idea. So she was like, I get off in two hours. And so they had to kill two hours worth of time. But if you've ever drank before and drank longer than, let's say, probably 10 hours, you can't really wait for anything. Like, you've got to do something. Right. If you sit sit down, you'll go to sleep. Right. Exactly. So they go into the truck with the newly bought cigarettes and whatever, and, and they're like, you know, dude, we're going to fuck a big fat pregnant lady in two hours. High five. Yeah, high five, I guess. So, <laughs> like, I imagine they were thinking about waiting or whatever, but the next thing you know, it's about eight in the morning, let's say, and uh, it's daylight out, and it's raining, and the police are waking them up in a running truck. At a gas station, just parked there, passed out in a truck, with all the windows down, covered in water. <laughs> and the police are there, and this is the reason the story is really worth telling, is because they totally get out of it. Wow. So, Terre Haute Tony goes into full-blown, I have a club in Terre Haute, like, I'm a successful uh, guy. And so, from what I understand, there was two cops, one of them a woman, could have been three cops, I've heard a couple different versions. But uh, basically, Terre Haute Tony, in emergency situations, sobers up. Uh, Cowboy Bob, is the drunker he gets, the less he is helpful and the more he is detrimental to whatever you're trying to do. Like, he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> so Terre Haute Tony is, like, you got to picture almost like a cult leader at this point because he's literally, this is like his bread and butter right here. So they're asking him and interrogating him and asking what the hell's going on. Right. But he's like, I understand what you're saying, but you're going to let me go. And, and that's why he just kept saying he's and they're like and they asked him some questions he's like i know and i admit to this and he's like but you're gonna let me go and, and he just says it right like that yeah and he just keeps saying it over and over and he's charming and he's nice and he admits to everything that they've generally been doing from what i understand there's there's casings of bullets from hunting at the bottom of the truck just newspapers and bullet shells scattered throughout the truck filled with rain and two drunk assholes and they get away with this wow but in the middle of all this, Cowboy Bob is so drunk and irritable and, and just drunk asshole that he calls one of the cops a dyke multiple times. Wow. Like he's just like, fucking dyke. You know, like, basically, like, why the fuck would you do exactly. that? Exactly. So he pulls, like, Terre Haute Tony, though, is like, I brought my friends have a, going through a divorce, and, which is not true. Right. He's like, my friend's going through a divorce, and I brought him to come out on a night out of town. I have a club in Terre Haute. You're going to let me go. Blah, blah, blah. I know he's being an asshole. We're going to take care of it. You're going to let me go. 
And eventually, after enough him and Han, they let them go of their own volition. Wow. So then, I come into the story where I had gone home like a normal person and gone to bed, uh, whatever, not expecting anything. I wake up around 8 in the morning to the drunken slurs of my answering machine because I was in town or whatever, just like... Get out of bed. We've been arrested. We've been let go. We've been arrested. We've been let go. We've been arrested. We've been let go. Come get us. We've been arrested. We've been let go. Just over it and over until I run across my apartment <laughs> to get it. And I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? So um, that's the only, the only time I'm involved is I had I went to go pick them up, but they had actually drove back to the apartment after the cops let them go, drove back to the apartment. So I went looking to an empty uh, gas station for these guys and then because uh, god knows they couldn't wait so then i went back to cowboy bob's apartment and i heard most of the story that you told me but they were so drunk i mean like they thought they were talking to me but it was just like talk it was like hanging out with Ke- two keith richards <laughs> it was just like they were completely out of their shit okay but the story is not over this is why it's better okay. really wow no, it's not over i guess you said you came back in in the middle so yeah that's the middle yeah. of the basically the middle of the story so anyways this weekend was so crazy that basically like everybody in our general social circle heard about it and i didn't really get the full story until i had read the emails cowboy bob sent out a version of the story that like was the basis for most of the tellings of the story and it was like seriously shocking he was actually kind of proud of it so at the time Cowboy Bob wrote up this story. He was actually working for one of the country's largest corporations as a technical writer, let's say. Okay. Just for just for the sake of a conversation. Yeah, just for the sake of the conversation. He That's what he was doing. He had a fair, relatively new job as a technical writer at a large, massive corporation, uh, which he had difficulty working at. And there's a couple other stories there just because he was a rowdy asshole. Not cut out for the corporate life. Yeah, they're like, you know, we like to wear ties. And he's like, aren't you drunk right now? Because I am. So that was his corporate experience. So anyways, he wrote that story on company time on the company computer. And he actually printed it on the company printer and then left on Friday and totally spaced and left it on the company printer. Oh, like, honestly, like, again, a shocking retelling, like four shock value retelling of that story. Right. Like he's playing up every sordid detail. (laughs) Yes. Like it's the best thing that ever happened. (laughs) And so and there's no question, I'm sure, at that place who wrote it. And it's a small office and there's just no question who wrote it. Right. Like, even if they couldn't track it down, they wouldn't have to. Right. Exactly. I'm sure ten ten words into it, they're like, "Oh, I've been waiting to fire this guy." Well, I guess if you're looking for a reason, it's nice to find a really big one. Well, that so. and that's this is my favorite part of the story is this: he leaves it, forgets about it at work, isn't sure. He's like, you know, obviously hoping that maybe they won't find it, maybe somebody threw it away, but no. Like the first thing, the next on Monday, they're like, uh, "Yeah, we found this on my office," and so the best excuse I've ever heard ever i think in that kind of situation because the guy was like disgusted because you and i are laughing at the story because we're low lives right this guy was fucking disgusted at what happened and so he he was like it's fiction he's he's (laughs) like i have an english degree 
and I'm working on a short story, and it's fiction, and he's like, clearly the things in that's that, he's like, that's that's disgusting, and it's it's impossible, and it would never happen. He's basically, his excuse is, the story is so insane that it can't be real, and it kind of worked. Wow. He would just like, yeah, that's that's not real. I'm, I'm a fiction writer. And he, and, and he was like, what do you think of it? You know, I made it, and he was like, frankly, I found it disturbing. And uh, And they let him off. Well, they did let him off, but the the PS to that story is not not two weeks later did he have a drug test scheduled, <laughs> surprisingly. And then and then miracle of miracles, he passed a drug test and got fired two months later for some other dumb shit. Oh, that's not the way I was expecting that to go. But I'm not surprised about the I last know. statement. He was like he basically thought he was fired, and he ended up still passing the test. So these two guys are still running loose about this country. So be careful. Well, anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing it, and I'll be sure that uh, sure that it gets around. And that's it. There was a lot happening in that one, so big thanks to the Green Phone for sharing it. No comments on the blog this week, but if you have something you'd like to share about this episode or any show so far, you can do so at secondhandstorytime.com. Also, find links to our Twitter, to Gumry, our musician, and to ways to subscribe. This podcast is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 3.0 Unported License. You can find out more about that on our site, too. To get in touch with me, you can write to Will at Secondhand Storytime, or leave a voicemail at 206-338-3225. I'm happy to say listenership is growing, slowly but surely, but I'd love to be able to share these stories with more people. So if you know any friends who might like to listen to the show, please pass it along. Thanks for listening, and we'll have another one next Thursday.